Welcome to Desert Rain Community Radio. On today's episode, I sit down with Jonathan Steele and he talks about what it was like growing up here at Desert Rain Community and um, so, sort of his uh, how his life has played out and uh, some big breakthroughs that has occurred in the last few years. Uh, that has inspired him to move down to Mexico for the next six months. But before we get into that, thank you to Danny West for uh, the editing and sound engineering. Thank you to Jacob at Monk Drums. That's what you hear in the background. Uh, If you want to learn more about Desert Rain Community, check out theruined.com. If you want to hear more episodes... Uh, You can go to wherever you found this uh, episode or drcrpod.com. We'll get you there as well. Uh, If you enjoy what you're hearing, please tell a friend. Word of mouth and social media really helps us out. We appreciate you, and let's get into it. Welcome back to Desert Rain Community Radio. Uh, We are... This is a a new, it's not really Road to Desert Rain. It's not really Dispatches from the Verge. It's, uh, I don't know what we'll call it, but I'm here with Jonathan Steele. How are you doing this morning? Oh, doing great. Doing great. <laughs> Good to see you, man. Uh, so basically, we are going to treat it somewhat like Road to Desert Rain, but it's a little unique in the sense that, um, how do you remember how old you were when you moved out here? Uh, very young. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not really good with numbers, but yeah. on that spectrum, but probably a toddler, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, very young to where everyone was a l- lot larger than me. <laughs> so definitely toddler. You're age, just probably. a little guy. Just a little guy. <laughs> uh, so, so with that being said, what is your first, like, what's your first memory of being out at desert rain? Oh, I, I would say I remember what the property looked like before we built the other buildings and put like, you know, the pond, like the pond wasn't there. Oh, so you Um, remember it pre-pond? Yeah, I remember pre-pond. That's amazing. I I remember it uh, when it was just a desert Mm -hmm. and I think we had a little bit of grass, like probably the patches of dry grass in the front yard, but the backyard was just desert. Like it was like, there was nothing out there. And, uh, I think they had like maybe a couple, I think there were maybe two or three of those trees where the, I think those poplars are now Mm -hmm. there, but, um, but yeah, I think there was just a spot for a clothesline and it was just that mobile home (laughs) with not much adjustments on it. It was just a a building and that's where, you know, the Morrisons stayed with us. Yep. And, uh, that's also where my dad worked for his company and everything. Oh, that's right. We did, we did everything there. Yeah. So that was before, so you remember even before the chapel was built. Oh yeah. yeah. I actually remember the building of the chapel. What, when, what what do you remember from that, from the actual building of it? I remember I, uh, my sister and I would try to help Okay, yeah, <laughs> and you know, <laughs> us as kids, we're like, we're so helpful, you know, as we go and try to build a straw bale help. But you know, my mom was just making sure we participated because she was also babysitting us and of course, you know, yeah. she was also helping because she's in charge of most of the stuff there being yeah. my mom as she is <laughs> so you've really seen it go from from the the land that was purchased originally to what it is today yeah like i think i've it's it might not be as exact in detail because right. you know as a kid brain you don't see right. things all the <laughs> 
you know, but, uh, but for sure I have very vague memories of like pieces and like mm-hmm. kind of snapshots, kind of like you're going through a bunch of quick pictures okay, and like blinks in, in time yeah. <laughs> of changes. That's for sure. That's amazing too, because, um, what, and you mentioned like, you know, having the quote unquote kid brain, but sometimes, you know, it's, it's adults and kids see things differently. Right. You know what I mean? So that's like a treasure trove. The fact that you, you were conscious, uh, conscious in the sense of remembering, you know, even if it just flashes here and there, um, compared to someone that moved out here, you know, like your parents or the Morrisons who they were already adults. Right. Right. You know? And so the mystery of it for you as a kid being like, Oh man, this is amazing. I think the big difference would be as a kid, there is a like feeling of, you don't know how like scary it could be to mm-hmm. move and leave your comfortable life. Cause as mm-hmm. a kid, your world's very small. Of course. It's a very, it's a smaller world. So when you're introduced to like this giant property mm-hmm. of just you, you as a kid could just run around this property <laughs> and, you know, go crazy with, you know, the excitement and the, and the adrenaline you usually have, which usually has to keep inside cause you're in a smaller house or yeah, something. Right, right. It, Brought a lot of uh, outdoors kind of experience for my sister and I. We would go okay. out and, you know, run around the desert, collect yeah. those yucca sticks, yep, and they'd yep. be perfect clubs. <laughs> You're like, yeah, this is a weapon. It's like, wow, you know, we would, you know, do our little fantasy adventures and stuff out there. Yucca and then swords. we would find out that you can build with them because, yep. you know, there's so many of those yucca sticks. So you could build like houses and little teepees. And, mm-hmm. and then you would find a bunch of junk too in the desert because, you know, it's kind of, the natural the uh, dumping ground, dumping grounds of a lot of people. So you would find like big tire wheels or okay. pieces of like metal. And you're like, Whoa. And you would look at this, like, this looks like that, you know, from this video game or this movie I saw and, you know, you would, you know, go crazy with the imagination. So it was, it was a lot of fun for, uh, so you guys would just spend hours yeah. roaming like almost all day. We would just be outside in the desert playing around. That's amazing. And I think this was still when Joshua was still, either he was born or he was in a stroller. Mm -hmm. Like he would just kind of, and it was before Daniel. It was definitely a year before Daniel. So this was like 2000, maybe two or one. How how much older than Joshua are you? Um, Let's see. He's 19, going to turn 20 this year. So I'm 25. I turned 25 recently. So I guess you could see that age difference. Yeah, for sure. Um. So yeah, so it was definitely because I was born in 1997. So, um, like I said, I'm not good with dates, so it should be around that area of difference. So the, so you know, obviously the roaming and being able to to just um, have adventures in the desert for like you know, I, I grew up close to not a desert like this, but um, at that about that same age range, we were it was a, a little development, but we were right on the desert, like we were on the edge of it. And so I can remember going out and chasing lizards and yeah, all that cool. You try stuff. to catch the little animals <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. and stuff. Um, but what what else was it like uh, growing up? You know, as, obviously as you got older, closer to your teenage years and stuff like that. What you know what what do you think was different about growing up here at Desert Rain versus you know if you were to grow up? Obviously, you don't know exactly, but um, you know, growing up in suburban. Northeast El Paso or East El Paso or whatever it might have been. Well, I guess in suburban living as a kid, you, you're, you're trying to experience life outside the family every once in a while where you go mm-hmm. and try and meet 
with new friends and new, you know, kids around your age. You try to find relationships in uh, other perspectives. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that was kind of, uh, I'm not trying to say like taken away, but more mm-hmm. of it just wasn't there. Like we were pretty much alone out here. There's not many neighbors and out here. The <laughs> Even only, today. <laughs> yeah. And so my best friend was actually my sister. Because okay. she was my older sibling mm-hmm. and she took care of me and uh, we we always would do things together. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, my mom would always bug me because or bug my sister because she would always make me do things <laughs> like the funniest thing that we always joke about is uh, we would be doing the dishes like uh-huh. our chores. And, you know, kids hate chores. Of course. So, yeah. so we're doing universal. the dishes and Michaela would be like, if you do my part of the job. I'll play with you today. But if you don't, I won't play with you. And I knew for a fact that if my mom found out my sister was doing this, I would get in more trouble with my sister because she would talk to me. And she was my only friend. So she would use this to her advantage as uh, manipulative as as she was. And she would get away with me doing more chores than her, as uh, older siblings would do. So we we still smile and joke about it today. And, you know. But we're still really good friends, even to this day. You guys and, are still pretty close. Oh yeah, yeah. She's she's a good she's a good sister. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, um, and I I don't remember. Uh, did you go to Chaparral High School? I did go to Chaparral High School. Um, I was actually in Chaparral Elementary. Okay. Um, when uh, I was really young, but I wasn't doing well. Like mm-hmm. the teachers weren't able to focus with me i actually had trouble a lot with uh, school okay because i actually still had trouble throughout my life with Mm -hmm. school because my brain drifts off and it starts thinking of things and then an hour goes by and they're like you didn't do anything (laughs) so so they were like we're not going to pay attention to this kid because he's obviously not a school kid so my Mm -hmm. mom didn't like that right so she pulled me out of school to help homeschool me yeah i knew you were homeschooled for I was homeschooled until I believe the seventh grade. Okay. Um, so I, I'm trying to remember. I think I was pulled out for two semesters of school. Mm-hmm. Is that what you call it? I guess two. Yeah, the like falls, two grades. Yeah, the fall semester. And the I would say two semester. or three grades. It was okay. it was somewhere around that where it was two or three years of right. homeschooling. That my mom was my teacher and my okay. dad was my math teacher. Okay. And stuff like that. So they they would teach me. Uh, stuff and I definitely excelled better because they were concentrating on mm-hmm. me. And I, I remember I remember I would drive them crazy because they would <laughs> I, they would leave me in the room to do like a test or something <laughs> and they would come back and I still haven't done anything <laughs> and they would be so upset. They're like, like just do the work. It's like you're you're dragging yeah. this out. I was trying to think of, I was thinking of stuff. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was just distract. I was always getting distracted, and you know they would have to like really. So I, I really grateful for them doing that. Like looking back at that and pushing me right past that and being you know very like I knew it was probably hard like mm. for sure because I know how my brain works and I mm-hmm. I could easily get I still do that where I have to pull myself I have to force myself mm-hmm. to come back to reality and concentrate on what I'm trying to do, but um. You know, it's, I guess it's just how my brain works. Well, yeah. And I I think that's an important thing, uh, you know, we could touch on for a second is the way schooling is set up. It's not necessarily set up for everyone to be successful. Right. It's especially in the public school systems. That's what I mean. And it's set up more to like, how can we get as many people through the schooling, which 
for a society I understand why it's set up that way you know but but um right in your example you know what i mean if someone that is easily distracted or daydreaming and stuff like that like the school system really isn't set up for for right to help those students specifically you know and so to be able to have the opportunity to where your parents could homeschool you and like give you the uh attention and right um which it also helps that your mom like that's what your mom went to university for to be a teacher you know what i mean like not everyone has that opportunity as well and another interesting thing is i actually um i'm trying to remember so it might have been like really early elementary when my mom pulled me out Mm -hmm. because i i actually like like i said as you talk you're like trying to remember right and i actually do remember i actually did go back to an elementary school and i believe it was elementary school because i remember chaparral middle is where i ended up Mm. to meet some of my old acquaintances again and friends but I actually went to Vineyard um, Elementary, which was oh, a private was... school that is no longer there. It's the they had a giant church building. It was on the east side, um, or northeast. Yes, yes, it okay. was. It was the east side. Okay. It's uh, it's where Ernie had his funeral. It's that same oh, building. Okay, okay, yeah. There yeah. used to be a church there, right? And I remember it was. Uh, I'm trying to remember her name. I remember the principal and stuff. Mm. Her hair, <laughs> <laughs> and. Uh, I, I think there is even a teacher. I had one teacher and she taught me everything, but it was a private school. Mm-hmm. And that's actually where I met one of my friends uh, from my younger years was Judah Bozeman. He, uh, Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. And that's how I met the Bozemans and okay. got to know them and hung out with them. So he yeah. became one of my friends out of, uh, and many. how long did you go to the private school? Or do you remember? It might've only been two years. Okay. I'm not sure. Or just one. Yeah. I, I don't remember. Like, did you go? So was it Chaparral? Vineyard school and then homeschooling. I or think it was a chaparral homeschooling yeah. vineyard because I remember being more nerdy when I was <laughs> in, in vineyard because because you know when you when you when all you are is learning yeah it turns on this other side of you to where I think I because I when you're a kid you don't know what you're gonna be you're like of course, you know yeah. but then when you start learning you get in the spree of constantly like learning mm. you get like an acceleration of learning. To where I think I was just kind of very antisocial, mm. not good with socializing with other kids because I never learned because right, you're homeschooled, right, right. elementary, you're just a kid, you don't know anything. Well, even out here, I mean, going back to that point about yeah. being out here in Chaparral. So the vineyard was definitely a shocking experience to be around other kids because, mm. you know, it's like, and, and then also it's a giant gap because usually with kids, you grow up together, mm-hmm, you go right. to school together, but to do those jumps it definitely was a shock every time because you're don't know anyone yeah. and it's like so and it's funny because i would always go with my sister so my sister would be like a grade or so above me okay so she would be my only friend mm. at these places and then when she wasn't there i would just be alone yeah and you know kind of an outcast do you was your sister more more social when you guys were younger or were you kind of equally she i think had just a different spectrum of social like she she was still also a nerd uh-huh. and kind of you know she probably had a couple friends yeah. and she would earn and i i also did the same thing where i would earn a couple friends like one or two so judah right. was one of my friends of that i met because he found me to be kind of silly <laughs> and you know he i would make him laugh because you know i was a dork <laughs> so but uh but that was how the friendship started and then i pretty much now know him to this day yeah. so it's well, that's interesting that bouncing around, it, I mean, it's a little bit different, but I had a similar experience. So I went to one school for kinder and first, 
a different school for second and third and a different school for fourth and fifth. So we, cause my dad built houses. So we would move around every couple uh, of years. It was always in Las Cruces. I, I grew up in Las Cruces, but it, it was still like you're saying how the, the typical quote unquote story is that kids grow up together. So every time I moved, it felt like the social circles were already set. And I was like trying to break my way into like, right. Are these going to be my friends or is this going to be my group yeah. of friends? And, <laughs> uh, but for me, my, my, I, I'm still nerdy, but, uh, middle school for me is like that. So what you're talking about that, just like learning the le- wanting to learn and it being kind of accelerated in the sense of like, um, I don't know if fascinated is the right word, but just, I guess things started clicking for me in middle school and sort of really went into like a, uh, a nerdy weird right. phase of my, I mean, middle school's weird anyways, but, um, that's amazing. So, uh, and you went to NMSU. Am I remembering that correctly? Yes. That was the university I went to cause it was the easiest. <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> Wait, easiest academically or the easiest to get into? It was the easiest, uh, I would say, to get into because it was in the state and the scholarships worked for the state because they had the scholarship oh, for So I didn't have to worry financially. about financially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because my goal was to not be in debt. Mm-hmm. So did, did you accomplish that goal? Uh, yeah. That's amazing. I'm not in debt. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, that's uh, for a lot of college kids, that's not the case. You know what I right. mean? Even, even for myself, um, I had very little debt comparatively cause I had the GI bill, but I still left ASU with a, a few grand of debt. You know what I mean? So to be able to get through, um, university in that way. And what was your, what, what was your experience like at, at NMSU? It, it was, uh, it was different. Mm-hmm. It, um, you know, in high school, they always try to prepare you mm-hmm. right. for, college they always say all these expectations you know of what to expect like they're not going to treat you like kids anymore and you know it's like this is the real life now (laughs) you know you're in the real world now you're unemployed you know things like that and you go to college and they still treat you like kids and they still (laughs) treat you (laughs) like and it's annoying because you're trying to get a job Mm. and the thing they're trying to do is they're just trying to get you through their class and and it's kind of like you're just jumping through these other hoops to just get this paper at the end. Mm -hmm. And it didn't feel as fulfilling as I expected when going into it. Like I I know it's like, it's, I know it's an opportunity, you know, Mm -hmm. to get that chance to not have any debt and get, you know, a degree, you know, a bachelor of arts in computer science. But looking back at it, I'm like, I know people just as smart as me or even smarter than me that don't have a degree. Mm Mm-hmm. And they in computer science, and they already do all this incredible stuff that I can't even do. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, why don't they get the, you know, it's like, it, you know, and then when you're looking for a job, they look at the paper. And of course, you know, it's just yeah. like, it, it, I don't think it's as worthy as it was back in the day, unless I guess maybe you're trying to be a doctor or one wow. of those ones where you need the knowledge, yeah. you know? Well, I think especially for, I mean, undergraduate is, is a weird thing, but especially for master's degree, professional type degrees, like you're saying, lawyers, right. doctors. Like that makes sense. You definitely need a degree for that because yeah. there's so much knowledge you have to learn and shove in your brain so you could be a good lawyer, a good doctor, et cetera. But for a computer scientist, we still, as professionals say, 
just Google it. Well, <laughs> so. well, and part of the problem with that one, so like the law is always changing, but there's still some bedrock foundation stuff, right. Right, which is cr- true from computer science, but that technology is ex- is changing at a much different pace exactly. than, you know, whether it's accounting laws or being a lawyer or, or medicine, uh, computer science is like every year things are, are accelerated technology wise. Right. That That's a good way to yeah. describe for sure. And so to, to think you're going to codify a four year degree in something, uh, that's going to make you, oh, I don't, I don't know how to, I, I, you know, well, anyways, that's, so it's, it's a weird rabbit hole because I don't, yeah. my undergraduates in accounting. So I, I have a totally different. So a lot of stuff that they were teaching and wrote books on could actually be irrelevant on what you're trying to learn for a job okay. at that that's current period of time. It. Like for steel consulting that I already was offered a job. Did you work a, at steel the entire time you were in university? Yes. Okay. It was part-time so and I did full-time during the summer. Okay. And so I would do some weekends or some like time I would have off for mm-hmm. school. I would be doing some work for uh, Greg and the company. Mm-hmm. And that was very in, um, educational mm-hmm. because I was getting hands-on experience with an actual job that earns money. And then I was going to school and they have these different expectations of what they think you can be learning to get Mm. the job. And it was entirely different. And I could see how you could get some languages and still earn money for it, like the Java and stuff. I won't go into super details of it. Yeah, of course. But in the end, it just felt like it wasn't what I wanted in computer science. So I was just doing it for the paper. Like I would learn it just to do it. And once in a while I would learn something cool, Mm -hmm. but I would say it was probably 20% of the time that I would learn something new and something I would keep with me today. But the rest of the time it was like, wow, this class is pointless. (laughs) Did you you ever think about dropping out and just going working full time or? No, because I don't like to leave things unfinished. Okay, that makes I, sense. I have that personality where if something's unfinished, it bugs me forever. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like if I did drop out, I you would never been, let it go. You would have gone back eventually. Because I, I, like I spent the time. They're mm-hmm. giving me the scholarship to get this mm-hmm. paper. Let me get the paper. Yeah. Let's finish it. So I was actually trying to speed run it. Mm-hmm. So anything I would do to cut corners to just get it done mm-hmm. is what I would do. And I sped run college. So okay. I got it done in like a good three and a half years. That's interesting because I, I, I think I had a similar, I mean, my journey was a little bit different because you are, you are in computer science, you know, you're, that's what you're doing today. Right. Um, as, as, a, as am I, <laughs> but like I mentioned a few minutes ago, my undergraduate was in accounting and I realized I wasn't going to be an accountant, right. but I didn't know what I wanted to change my major to. And similar to you, like, I don't want to just get two thirds of the way through and then be like, Oh, well, I don't need this. Right. Um, so yeah. So the, the, you know, just focusing on getting done with it yeah. and moving on. That was actually my fear. And that's why I wanted to speed run it. Because, Your fear in what sense? Uh, well, a lot of my friends that I met in college, because I got my social skills up in high school, so I was mm-hmm. actually a very... I, it's very easy to make friends with me. <laughs> I, I I like to be nice, and I try to accept everyone's ideals to my own, and, you of know, course. et cetera. Um, so in, high, in college, I had a lot of friends in the computer science degree, and a lot of them I already mm-hmm. heard that they were there for four years doing, like, an art degree or doing some other degree. Oh, I see what you're and saying. And they would change middle... 
because, you know, they were like, I actually don't want to do this. Right. And then they have this debt that would come <laughs> right. and it would just, it would be horrible. And I would, and I would talk to them and they would look miserable yeah. because they were like, I've been here for seven years. And it's just like, oh my goodness. And it's like, how much debt do you have? $30,000. Thousands oh of dollars. It's like, oh. So I was like, I got to get out of here. Yeah. Like, I was like, I'm going to just get it done and just get out. So. Yeah. Cause that, that, that was for sure my experience. Well, I didn't change. I thought about it, but then sort of what you're talking about, like, did I want to be there for another year? Did I want to be there for another two years? Right. Uh, the GI bill was going to run out. So then I was money out of my pocket or, you know, maybe not money immediately, but going into debt, you know, taking out loans, which I had no interest in doing. Um, you know, I had already, cause I took the loans out at the front part of my degree. So I could already see that money was already looming over me. It's like, I'm not adding to that total at all. Um, one thing I wanted to back up on, uh, I meant to ask you, but um, sort of the the spiritual side or the religious side, um, I'm interested to like, what was that for you? So obviously Desert Rain, Christian community, you know, there we talked about the, the straw, uh, straw bell chapel being built. Um, so for your own religiosity, spiritual walk, however you, I don't know how you classify it, but um, what was that like growing up uh, in a Christian community where that, that was kind of part of living here, part of being here? It, it was, I think a part of me as a social element, as I believe as when I was growing up and I think this was like the big struggle I've had most of my life is it was not an interest of me okay. at all because I was thinking of a future in kind of a scientific aspect mm -hmm. of I need to get a job, I need to make some money, I need to get a family, I need to get married, I got to have this. And mm -hmm. I would think ahead and I'll get distracted and not meditate on the moment mm -hmm. or concentrate on the now. Yeah. I would concentrate on what I need to do For to the become future. the happy poster board <laughs> of like this is happiness i'm going there yeah so when people talk about god and they do the little religious things or you know the meetings that my dad would drag me to mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to participate in i would be bored out of my mind because okay. i wouldn't pay attention to any of that stuff at the time because i thought yeah whatever dad it's like <laughs> you know it's like you're, you guys are like i didn't understand the whole purpose of right. being out here was for the isolation to learn you know a different way of God mm. in a sense. Okay. Cause you know, we were getting away from the idea of a church and changing it to a community perspective mm. and stuff. So I didn't learn that stuff until probably I would say recently in my life Okay. to, uh, you know, after college. Were you, so as a, as a kid growing, and the reason I asked this question is because it's something I experienced, but were you, did you become like anti-religion or resentful towards religion or anything like that like or were you just kind of like ah this isn't for me definitely probably resentful okay because if you ever talk about a christian uh, outside of the community outside your safety circle mm. there's a lot of hate towards us mm -hmm. and that didn't go well for trying to make friends as a, as a kid yeah because you know if you say oh i'm a christian they immediately start looking at you differently, like saying, oh, you're that kind of guy. Oh, you're it's one of like, them. You're one of them. <laughs> you're part of that cult. I see. So I 
I didn't understand that there was like a way of like defending your religion or defending yourself. Mm. So I would always change my personality and perspective based on who I was trying to be a friend with. Okay. So it was, I learned a lot of social cues in high school. I think of high course. school was definitely this struggle of time because middle school was rough. Middle school is everyone's awkward. Everyone's <laughs> right. weird. Everyone's struggling. Everyone's trying to find out what the hell am I going to be doing with my life? <laughs> yeah. And then they go to high school and you still see the same group of people. And that was the first time I saw a transition like that where I'm like, hey, I know oh, these people. because you were at middle school. I was in middle school okay. for those two years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was the first time I transitioned. And it was funny because I re-met one of my old elementary school friends back mm. in Chapel Elementary. It was with Manny, um, which is down the road. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. We ended up in the same art class because I wanted That's to take amazing. an art class. And I looked at him and he looked at me. And for the longest time, we didn't talk to each other. But then we just started talking and we just reconnected. I don't That's know. Cool. We're both super awkward. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, it's so, so funny because we like ignored each other because we're like, no, it's too awkward to try and talk to him because I know that guy. I know and that guy. That's too awkward. <laughs> but there's been a too big of a difference or time difference between. But soon enough, we could help each other. We met each other. We, yeah. we had a blast. We, yeah. we became full guy. friends for the four years of high school and now just continually still best friends. So that's, that's yeah, that's pretty incredible. I didn't realize you guys knew each other in high school. Well, we knew each other in elementary. Well, I mean, yeah, because we used to play games because he was down the road. Okay, and that oh, was like right, the yeah, closest friend. Oh, right, yeah, because they just lived right there. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's just so funny, but uh, um, but yeah, back to the religion thing. Um, so I, I, I didn't really talk about it, and you just I, avoided I, I just it avoided it in peer groups, in peer groups, and also just at home, I would avoid it because uh, it would it would just bring up conflicts in my beliefs and you know the reality I live stuff, in as yeah. a kid. Because talking about that stuff, it just scares you and it just kind of throws you off. And I was a very cowardly person. <laughs> I still kind of am. I'm trying to be braver. Yeah. But I try to avoid conflicts okay. of interests most of the time. Well, and I think you can be someone that avoids conflict without being cowardly. That's that's pretty... Um, for me, I so I grew up going to church. I mean, it was a different, right? Cause I didn't grow up in a community, but my mom taking us to church and stuff and, and sort of like you just, just getting resentful more. I think more for me, it was like, uh, it felt like a waste of time. Like, why do we got to go to church for Talking an about hour? The man in the sky. Yeah. And then go to, you know, catechism or Sunday school or whatever. And it was just, um, you know, so for me too, it wasn't until probably my twenties where I really started reinvestigating. Well, just this idea of God in a general way, um, and then you know, a few years later, going back into the Christianity, reading the Bible, stuff like that. So, what what as as you said, you you've over the last couple of years, that's changed. Um, so what maybe what was the domino to start that reinvestigation or what how did that play out it would definitely be post-college as when you get your degree there's all these promises that are given to you of a job and you know of happiness and mm -hmm. stuff like that and also your friend circles get farther stretched mm -hmm. to where the people that you would hang out with every day because you're in college doing work or in high school doing work you're always hanging out with people. Right. So everything is so easy, you know, to be friends and to see a just possible be around future, people. just to be around yeah, people. Yeah. 
But right after college and all you do is you go immediately into a job that you mm-hmm. already have without any effort because, you know, your dad is done. the owner of the company and he's <laughs> like, I got you, man. And, you know, you're good. And I'm still grateful for it. But of at course. the same time, yeah. it puts that separation of socialization is mm. gone. Mm-hmm. Like I, I still kept in touch with like, you know, my sister and, you know, she got married and, you know, kept in touch with Manny. He got mm-hmm. married. Um, and, you know, my friends around me got married. Okay. So a lot of the times you would say, oh, we could still hang out though and still be friends. But, you know, they have their own priorities now. Their priorities They're have different. changed entirely. Because, yeah. right. you know, now you have a family to take care of and, you know, yeah. you don't have time to hang out with your bros because, you <laughs> yeah. know, that's not a priority anymore. You got a kid to take care of, you know, which, you know, nothing against them at all. That's just how it it's goes. It's how life plays it's out. how life plays yeah. out. So then you start realizing, well, maybe I should get a family. Mm-hmm. So I think when I went on my uh, um, giant trip, my parents paid for a mm-hmm. trip where I would go to Germany and stuff, yep. which I'm blessed that they would do that for me as a graduation present. And uh, we went to Germany and Europe, which rarely anybody is able to do <laughs> for, uh, you know, not that expensive of a price. Right. Um, so that was a very interesting trip because I would go and I would say, now this is where I would meet the love of my life. Really? Like I literally had this perspective because I was still very ignorant at the time. Of you were like, like future trip. Yeah. Almost. It's like, it's like who couldn't, you know, who wouldn't love me? <laughs> you know, and yeah. Stuff like that. And I would go on this trip and I would meet people and my parents would let me sit with like the random girl on yeah. like the thing, you know, giving me space because I would go with them. And I would talk to these people and I'm just like, Talking to people are hard. Getting yeah. to know them is hard. Getting them to love you is even harder. And then I started thinking it's getting to love myself is even harder mm-hmm. because I started realizing that I wasn't myself at all, like at this oh, point in time. And, so who did you see yourself as? I was just whoever people wanted me to be. I was clay. Oh, I molded myself. You were just a chameleon. I was a chameleon and I would just mold myself in every scenario and just so people would like me. Of course. But that didn't make anyone love me. Yeah. because I was different every mm-hmm. single time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I didn't realize it at the time because, you know, you're in making friends circles, just getting yeah, through life. Kid. But it, the truth of it is, is it actually just destroyed me because mm. I would feel depressed and mm. I would feel like I couldn't love the true self. I would hate myself. I would mm. be like, no one likes that person. And I would beat them up right. <laughs> in kind of an internal battle. Of course. And there was a good couple years of, being pretty emotionally just distraught yeah. of like, I didn't even know who I was. <laughs> so this was all post-college? Yeah. Okay. This was post-college and the realization of the trip and stuff, it was a wonderful trip. Um, but looking back at it, it's like it was actually the first experience of life after college, after mm-hmm. school. And then even after the trip of learning about how no one wants to be hanging around someone that is having this emotional battle with mm. themselves. And the the truth of it is, is that they also didn't know who I was. Right. And I think there was a lot of distrust with Because that. you were trying to be someone you thought that person wanted. wanted to like. Yeah. But in truth, they just wanted to have someone that got their shit together, you know, and was also, I, I guess, kind of grow up is maybe another term for it. But Well, and I would argue, too. So I've known you, I don't know, for a while now. Um, you were in university, I think, when we met. But you have always had, quote unquote, your shit together in the sense that like you you were going to school, you've had yeah. a job, you know what I mean? But it's different with this emotional, you know, that 
So similarly, that's what I went through getting sober. You know, I got sober in my mid twenties and when I was drinking and in my active alcoholism, I did exactly what you were talking about. I tried to be, um, whatever the group dynamics were, I would just try to fit myself in there and be, be a chameleon and just whatever, whatever that group, you know, if that group was talking about football, then I was talking about football. Well, that's, that's not a good example because I've always loved football, but, (laughs) um, you know, whatever, anything, you know, music, you know what I mean? You would talk whatever they were talking about. Yeah. And and, And I would do the same thing. mm -hmm. And I would even at some points even lie at points because sometimes I wouldn't know anything about it. So I'd lie my way into it and then I would go and learn about it later. And (laughs) that's amazing. And it's crazy how the guilt piles up Mm -hmm. when you lie Mm -hmm. because that stuff is really brutal. Um, And, you know, and then, and then it's funny because then I think about what if they know I'm lying? It's like, what if I, they just know me as a liar and that would actually just beat me up even more on my spare time being alone and isolated. And, you know, when you're always alone with your thoughts Mm -hmm. and yourself, that's when all that crap comes up. And, you know, to be honest, most of the time you drain it out by alcohol, drugs, or other stuff. A lot of people do, for sure. Because it's too hard to think about, and it's too hard to fight yourself in the reality of what you were doing to get to where you are. But yeah, the whole shit together uh, that we were talking about, I think the idea I had at the time was as long as you're making money and you're not in Mm. debt, you got your shit together. I see, I see. But the truth of it is, I know a lot of people now looking back at it that have a lot of money and don't have debt but they're horrible people <laughs> or miserable <laughs> or miserable. Yeah. <laughs> the horrible is the miserable of they just like, you know, like, like right now the Johnny Depp case that's going on. I love the guy as an actor, but looking at him, he's a miserable, like he, he actually does <laughs> have dude, yeah. issues and you know, I support him and I hope he wins this case because how she did it, you know, and right, stuff like course. that. But the whole case of just the reality of the world still sees him as a, He's got his shit together. I see what you're saying. Like how everyone supports him, saying all that alcoholism, there's nothing wrong with that. But in truth, there is. Mm-hmm. That still is a broken person that's, you know, going through that crap. Because I've been there. Mm-hmm. I haven't done any... I'm, I've luckily been avoiding it because I know the truth of I can't hide my misery mm-hmm. under those, you know, circumstances substances. of getting drunk and yeah. substances and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I know that I've been in those places where I've sat for like eight hours at, ho- at home on a day that I would, could do anything right. and I would sit on my couch and do nothing yeah. and sit in my own misery, you know, just depressed, yeah. just beating myself up. And when you've been there in that state of mind, it's horrible. You're like in this darkness and you don't see any way out of it. So do you feel still internally feel that way today? No, it's been, what, what was the shift? What was the catalyst to make a change? I guess it was definitely friends and life coaching, and I would say trying to find answers. Mm. Because me being the perfectionist as I try to be, yeah, I wanted to fix it. Of I wanted to, so oh. that I knew there was an answer. So something inside you there. was like, let's let's do something about this. Yeah. Okay. And then that helped me rediscover, I guess, God, or mm. like strive to find God, because you know, they. I know that that's what our community is all about is finding the brokenness of, you know, people and, you know, accepting them into a community and, right. you know, and accepting their brokenness and, you know, having God help heal it or, you know, so 
it helped me rediscover that. Yeah. And also I was curious about other religions at the time Mm -hmm. and other methods of cures and meditative purpose and, you know, et cetera. Um, And it it was just an interesting time for me. It was during the time of before I went and moved to the apartment. I think uh, it was kind of transition I had where I lived with my grandma for a brief period of time. Oh, that's right. And then, and then I moved to the apartment for two years. How long did you live with your grandma? Uh, I think it was only a good couple months, okay. like almost half a year, I would say. Okay. Um, and then, yeah, so that that essentially was a transitional period because I think I was just upset at everyone and myself. When you, when you moved in with your grandma or when you moved into the Bef- apartment? Before I moved in with my grandma. Okay. I had some like, because I had all these emotions mm-hmm. of like, Maybe I'm angry at someone. Maybe it was my dad's fault I'm like this. Maybe it was my sister's fault. Maybe it was my friend's fault. I would blame everyone, mm-hmm. and I would just hide it. I would just literally hide it with a fake face. Internalize it. And that wasn't healthy at all for me. No. And I found this out, you know, definitely at the time, that I, I would just beat myself up, you know, being this kind of hateful person. <laughs> you did know? you... And you didn't mention it. That's all. And if you don't want to talk about it, we don't. We don't have to. But did you seek any sort of counseling or therapy or anything like that? Um, therapy, no, because how my brain kind of operates, I would think I would have all the answers. What would they oh, tell me differently? I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And and the therapy, it's like you know, the fact is that they would literally just ask you the right questions, and you would answer it yourself. Right. And that would help cure you. So I was already kind of doing that with myself. I would talk to myself Mm -hmm. out loud, beat myself up, and then I would come up with positive things to help recover. That's interesting because I don't know how many people would have that uh, maybe self-discipline or realization to be like like literally talking it out loud, talking to yourself out loud, right? Right. To be able to shift the narrative. Right. But no, it felt like I was just talking to myself. I felt like a crazy person because I, I didn't, I, I didn't know. Well, when you said that too, I can't imagine you talking to yourself. Yeah. Like I really can't like, cause I've, you know, like I said, I've known you for a little while and I was like, I can't imagine that, but apparently it worked. Yeah. I, I, I could be fine if, if I'm in like a private space where I think it's private, I would be talking to myself mm-hmm. and every once in a while I'd get embarrassed because someone would walk in like right, at right. the thing and i would be like oh you know i'm just thinking about this and i was just, just thinking like, out loud just, just thinking out loud pay no attention but, to this guy but no, i'm always kind of a mutterer i guess where okay. i talk out loud to think yeah because i do that my, from time to time too. i feel like my brain is too loud to mm-hmm. quietly think so i have to say things mm-hmm. to think properly and so that's my talking to myself and i kind of like stack it um so like if i'm going through a lot of crap i'm depressed I would talk it out. Why am I depressed? Why am I sad? Why am I upset with myself? And I would yeah. tell myself truths that I would I would hear myself because I would say it literally as the truth of why I was upset mm-hmm. and depressed with myself. And and that's why, you know, I recently decided to make this giant trip because I've been doing this for two years where I would tell myself I need to get out. I need to go and do something with my life. That's mm-hmm. the issue. I've never actually made a hard choice in my life. I would always take the easy path because yeah. that was well, I safer. Think, I think most people do that. 
a lot of well, the time. Well, it's it's easier that way. Yeah. Like if you're offered a job immediately out of college, which is the first fear anyone has, mm-hmm. you would take it no matter what it was mm-hmm. because you're like it's a good paying job, it's stable, mm-hmm. and it's also in the family of relationship to where it's easy. You well, know, and to- and it's in your career like what you just graduated right. college with, exactly. it's, it's just a continuation of that as well. It's a stable job. Why yeah. wouldn't you take it? Yeah, yeah. And and then at the time... Wait, so what? what is the big adventure you're going on? You didn't even... Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm going to uh, going down to Mexico for Puerto Verta. So um, to help with Victor and Betty and all that stuff. So that was the trip, the adventure mm-hmm. <laughs> that uh, is trying to break me out of that shell that I built around myself by getting a stable job, by getting apartment that you could live and put whatever you want in there, having no obligations or relations with pets or taking mm-hmm. care of anything or, you know, dealing with relationships or anything like that. Everything was safe. Everything yeah, was yeah. Jonathan perfect world. Okay. And that was wrong looking at it. I was like, this is not how I'm supposed to live my life. Looking 25 years in the future if I was in the same boat, I would be miserable. So you didn't you didn't feel like that was fulfilling you emotionally or anything? Keeping my own money and just, you know, taking care of myself. Mm-hmm. No, it just didn't feel right because that meant that I made no difference in the world or made mm-hmm. no impact to right. where I literally was not in the current or fighting a current or anything like that. I was seriously on the shore doing nothing. And not just drunk. fishing. <laughs> not even fishing, just being a rock <laughs> like on the side of the shore. Just sit there for just a sitting there. Just 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 to be there where if someone wanted to talk to me or just wanted to hang out, I was just there. Yeah, like yeah. as just an option. But I it just didn't feel right. So So how did this whole so you, you come to this realization like, oh this isn't fulfilling how did this specifically the trip to Mexico? How did that sort of unfold over the last couple months? Well, it I would say that it was during my one of my talks to myself mm-hmm. of it was like a, during a life coach coach session with Reef, um, and who I'm talking to next week actually. Oh, awesome. Ironically enough, he's a great guy. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited for that. But um, he was talking to me about what makes you happy. Okay, and. I would think really hard about what makes me happy. And I would start with simple things of like breaking down. Well, I like solving problems. I like Mm -hmm. doing this stuff. But the truth of it is, is they're only like small, like boosts of happy moments of like admiration. But it truly wasn't happiness that I was answering the question for of like, what is the true core of my happiness? And the answer was, I don't know. And that was the big issue. If you don't know, and I'm 25 years old, it's like, you know, you're having some kind of struggle of whatever you're doing currently with your life. This is not going to bring you happiness. Well, better to find it out at 25. Some people are, <laughs> yeah. are 45 yeah, exactly. and 55 and don't know what makes them happy. So then that was the first realization of, well, crap, I'm not happy. Mm. So I started just having a lot of like flashback memories of just trying to find something, anything mm-hmm. that I've done in my life that has been true happiness. Right. And the only times I could think of is when I'm participating in community events. Okay. And feeling like I'm doing something like either training someone or teaching someone or just helping them do water games for one of their, uh, you know, community events out here or just hanging out with people. 
And I know it had to, so I'm like, all right, it has to be something with people. That's some happiness that has been in my life of the reason I'm still here and not dead in a river somewhere <laughs> of like, there's something it's like, so now it's like, what's, what's next? Like what's okay. the happiness? And I remember going down to Puerto Verita for the first time for a vocational thing, or I think it was to help Victor build a house okay. for someone down there. And I went down there and do you it, remember how many years ago that was? Um, it was definitely maybe the year after our trip to or, Europe. To Europe. Okay, so okay. it might be 2015, maybe yeah, yeah. a little more than that. I, I don't remember. But it was a, a pivotal, pivotal memory, it sounds like. Yes. And I remember going down there and it being miserable because of the weather. And was, I was, was it not, just I was not safe hot in my or? shell because oh. you're down there and everything's different. Mm-hmm. No one understands you. <laughs> I'm a white guy speaking English. Hey, and they're like, hey, you know, just like looking at you like crazy white guy. Like, you know, what's going on I here? stand out. I'm tall. You know, it's like yeah. I I fell out of place, yeah. like how I used to be when I was younger. Okay, and it brought like a kind of kid perspective again to my life because you know when you're around people that you could translate to and you could talk to it puts you in a comfortable thing where i'm like i can get away with anything Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know and stuff like that well you can just bullshit your way into any conversation (laughs) exactly so but in this state you have to go back to just kid brain of okay this is where i'm at this Mm -hmm. is an unsafe place i'll be humble i'll be honest i'll listen i can't Mm -hmm. talk to people i'm a listener and i you know, I actually have to pay attention. I can't just be off, you know, my brain can't wander. Everything's mm-hmm. focused. And so going down to Puerto Verta, it was amazing then because yeah. even though I was miserable with the comfortability, I was happy. I was enjoying myself. I was helping them build a house for goodness sakes. No one likes, you know, <laughs> building buildings in hot, humid weather, yeah, yeah, but yeah. I was enjoying myself doing it That's cool. because I felt like I was making a difference. Mm-hmm. And Victor and his family were wonderful with their smiles and their, and their, you know, their hearts. You Mm -hmm. could feel the love, how these were real people that really loved doing what they did. Yeah. And I was impressed by that. I was amazed by that. I was blown away by it in truth. So, so I told my parents, I'm like, we definitely got to go back down there after that week of, you know, helping them even just build a house. I'm like, we got to go back. Like, and so, you know, another year goes by and we go back and we bring, um, Paulina from uh, Germany, our exchange student. Oh, right, right. And right. we bring Josh and Daniel. And I th- we pretty much bring everyone down there with us with a kid for that, I think was uh, his uh, nephew, uh, Victor's nephew. Okay. We brought with us. And we went down there again for a week. And that was even more incredible of a journey because we didn't go down there to uh, help him. It was a vacation opportunity. Okay. And they gave us so much. They wanted to give us, they showed us the, the beaches. They. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of uh, the friends of the daughter of Victor brought us to her grandmother's house on top of the mountains that no one has ever gone to, and they wanted to bless us with that. Wow. And I was so blessed, and so like I just remember every day was awesome. Yeah. Like it was seriously like it wasn't a vacation happiness of I'm somewhere else, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was I belong here. Wow. Like a longing feeling of I didn't want to leave. Yeah. <laughs> you know the whole. And it was idea. another week. You were there for a week again? Yes, another yeah. week. And that, and this was definitely before pre-COVID. Right, and then course, I right. actually even told them, I even remember telling them, I want to come back and help you guys. At that time, 
on that vacation saying, I, I want to actually stay. And they said, you could stay down here for a long period of times. And I was like, that would be awesome. Yeah. And then years go by and now right. we're here. And I'm like, why didn't I take it pre? It's like, I, you know, I did the apartment life. I did all that. Not the same feeling, like getting a new TV, getting the couch all set up, everything mm-hmm. like that. Those feelings were so minimal. They mm-hmm. meant nothing to me. They would lasted just, maybe 30 seconds. Yeah, yeah, it was like it was like a it was like a spark of a yeah. fire where it would just go off and then it's gone. I got a TV. Yeah. All right. <laughs> it's like, everyone has a TV. Yeah, it's like, you know, and, and then also Well, you had to go through that. Yeah. You had to I had, do to, that I had stuff. to know. I had to know the truth. Yeah. Because I thought that maybe it was just I thought that it wouldn't bring me happiness, but then mm. realizing it and going through it, I knew. Cause I was, I did it, you know, yeah. it's like I had money. I had a guaranteed job. I could do this for years yeah, of, and getting better. Life. I could get more money that way. And, you know, I could, you know, work less and earn more money. You know, mm-hmm. I could, it was literally a skyrocket of America would look at that and go successful Good story. Job. Good job. Here's your reward, you know? <laughs> and all I was missing is I just had to go find the, you know, the girl that sort of resembled me and just bury him and, <laughs> Support them, get the house, get the job, get the yard, you know, all that stuff was the, and I was like, I don't want any of that. Like in truth, if there is supposed to be like another, uh, someone that I want to spend the rest of my life with, I don't want it to be forced. I don't want it to be something that I have to like force myself into and then ruin their life because they think that I'm loving them but i'm not you know yeah. and it's just it's something that i'm like i can't be it can't be an experiment it's someone else's life you can't do mm. something like that well so, you can a lot of people do well, but it's, yeah. it's not the right thing to do for sure I, I i just i can't so so it has to be something where they really want to be with me as i am as a real person not this chameleon person mm-hmm. that i force myself to be in it would have to be something where i would be me so the only way to do that is I would have to break my chameleon self mm-hmm. and be me. And the way to do that is you got to get out of your shell. Mm-hmm. You can't be where you control the situation where you could put on this persona of this is me. Look at how stable my life right. is. Look, look how look good how I am. Picture perfect. Picture perfect Jonathan here where I could be anyone's friend and stuff when in truth I'm having these inner conflicts. And it, it, like I think the literal like term is when your mom says like, who wouldn't want to marry my son? Yeah, right. And then that just like in another level just like says, okay, there's many reasons. I'm a disaster project and there's no way anyone would want to be with me for a long period of time other than the times I put myself in. Yeah. So so if I don't get through that, if I don't climb that hill and only you of can. solving, and only I can yeah. for sure. So this is the hope for that is yeah. I'm going down there for six months because I'm hoping to push myself away mm-hmm. from this shell, mm-hmm. force myself in situations that are uncomfortable yeah. and I have no control over mm-hmm. and I can truly find myself yeah. and have the patience with myself and have that separation of comfort to where I could hopefully just be Jonathan of who I really am, yeah. of someone that really loves to learn. I love helping people. And I am really good at making friends, mm-hmm. but not for lying and being someone I'm not. And I'm also willing to just, you know, be a new me and try to be di- be different, you know, yeah. and to just get a new start in a way. And so that that's that's the trip. That's 
that was the plan. And and it's crazy because if you look at that, it doesn't seem that well thought out. Like anything could go wrong. But but that's any plan. It's better than staying in my shell for another twenty five years and not being happy. <laughs> that's so. so that's so beautiful, man. I, to go, you know, you said you mentioned earlier pre COVID, and I can vividly remember. I don't remember. It was like December, January time frame. And I don't know if even if you remember this, but you were talking about wanting to take a trip to Hawaii. Yeah. Um, and I can remember like encouraging you like, yeah, dude, like, you know, look up flights. Like there's a lot of stuff to do. You know, you'll be able to to meet new people, this and that. And then March 2020 comes and just, you know, obviously locks everything down. Right, right. And um, so then when you approached me, whatever two or three weeks ago and be like, Hey, I'm moving to Mexico. And I was like, what? <laughs> that was like the most, you're like, Oh yeah. But you kind of, it was kind of a throwaway line. You're like, Oh yeah. By the way, I'm moving down to Puerto, Pe- uh, not Penasco, um, Vallarta. And I was like, what? And it took me back to those conversations about Hawaii. And I was like, Oh man, like he's, this is his Hawaii trip, but on a much like you just described on a month, you know, six months, you're going to be working. Hawaii wouldn't people. have done it for me. Of either. course not. Of course not. Because it would have just been a vacation. It would have been a vacation. It would have been for myself, which that was the whole issue. And, you know, I've been to Germany. I've been to like all yep. those beautiful places and they didn't do it for me. I was like, they were beautiful. I loved it there. Mm-hmm. But it didn't feel like how I felt down in Puerto Verta. Mm-hmm. It was that area. It was that group of people mm-hmm. that I felt like I could do something down there. Right. And I don't know. It's like, and I don't think it was just like the fake persona that someone would put on down there. It didn't feel like that. Because if that was true, they wouldn't have planned that. That The friend that we didn't even meet, the friend of the daughter of Victor, mm-hmm. got a plan and said, those guys are coming down? I want to do something special for them. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no way anyone fake would do that. Yeah. Like, there's no way. <laughs> well, I, I think it goes more... So obviously, they're, you know, they're being authentic and real. But I think the more profound thing from listening to you is what you experienced inside internally where you were like, oh, this feels like home. Yeah. You can't fake that internal feeling of, oh, this region, these people, this opportunity feels like home. It feels like I'm, I'm supposed to be here. You, no one can fake that feeling. Right. Right. Um, and I think for me, listening to what you just shared, that's more profound in my mind of like you having that feeling, ignoring it in a sense of like you did the apartment life, you know what I mean? Like all these things. Right, I avoided it. <clears throat> yeah. And now you're like, way. it was the easier path because you know, of that's course, a lot of your hard share. things. So you're in your safe zone and now you're like, F it. I'm going to Mexico. Victor, <laughs> Victor, <laughs> Victor what's going on? And he's, and it, you know, Victor being, I've never, I've never had the opportunity to meet Victor personally, but all the stories I've heard about him, it doesn't surprise me that he's like, yeah, come down today. And you're like, well, <laughs> I got to move some stuff out of my apartment and get something. He's like, all right, come tomorrow. And you're like, well, I'll be there in a couple of weeks. <laughs> but his enthusiasm matching your enthusiasm of like, yeah, let's do this. Let's see. Let's see what this is all about. And it's so funny because these past weeks I've been preparing to move down there has been the most probably a really stressful period of my Mm. life. But at the same time, I can't stop smiling. That's awesome. dude. It's like, it's an excitement, but it's also like a terrifying feeling. It's literally like the roller coaster you're going to get on. That looks scary as hell. You're like, what am I doing? It's like anything to go wrong. 
but you're still in line getting yeah. ready to go on. And it's just kind of like, come on, I just want to get on the ride. <laughs> yeah, so. well, even uh, we talked briefly on Thursday night, I think it was. And I could, I could see that sense that fear, maybe not fear, but nervousness about you. And um, that's the right feeling. If you weren't worried or nervous or scared about moving to Mexico for six months, I'm like, is this guy okay? <laughs> Does he feel anything? Um, that's beautiful. I mean, that was an hour, dude. We already ran through an hour. <laughs> um, I don't know if I shared this with you uh, when I asked you to sit down, but my my thought process, we're recording one now. You're leaving in uh, Thursday? Yep, Thursday. So less than a week, you're going to be flying down to Mexico. Um, this will post sometime in June. So you'll already be in Mexico by the time we release this. Um, but my hope is to sort of document your experience. So when you come back in six months, we do part two uh, with Jonathan Steele, like what, what was it like? You know what I mean? What, what did you learn? You know, what were some of the hardships that you didn't expect and all that? And, um, so I hope, hope you would be willing to come back on and, For and sure. share this journey with us, man. Yeah. This is, is it a opportunity and experience? I for sure want to share it. <laughs> cool. Um, so thank you, Jonathan Steele. Thank you for everyone, uh, tuning in. We always appreciate you, uh, coming back week after week. Um, I'm not sure which music I'm going to use in the background. So either thank you to David and Danny West, if it's the guitars or, um, uh, monk drums thank you to jacob so or maybe i'll mix both of them since this is kind of a road to desert rain and we got into some pretty cool deep stuff as far as getting out of our comfort zone and the importance of that um did you want to thank anyone before we jump off i just want to thank my whole community and just the family and friends that have helped me and guided me throughout these years um i definitely wouldn't be here without them <laughs> it's like it's i'm truly grateful for just my life <laughs> Like, even though it's been depressing on some cases and stuff, that's just my own personal fights. But right. everyone around me have been brilliant, and there's nothing towards anyone's that I would say. It's like I really did enjoy. And the other place that does feel like home is this community. It's that's beautiful. It's literally, there's only two places I felt like home. It's here and in Puerto Verita. So, <laughs> so I'm hoping that it works out. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you.